Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable podcast, the only show that dares to be both on topic and usually on location. Each time we meet, we bring together a group of IT luminaries to discuss a single concept. In this episode, we're taking another look at the cloud. Is it finally ready for the enterprise? But before we begin, let's meet who's on the panel today. Jim? Hey, Stephen. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, my name is Jim Jones. I am a cloud architect for iLand Secure Cloud and happy to be here, happy to be able to be joining you guys here very soon at Cloud Field Day uh, in San Jose here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you can find me online at coolaid.info. It's probably the best place to go from there. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for having me. My name is Nico Stein. I'm an AVP of IT at a Sigma Financial Federal Credit Union out of the DC region. Um, I'm excited to talk about the cloud. I'm also a delegate for the upcoming Cloud Field Day. Very excited about this. You can connect with me at Twitter at Nico A. Stein or on my blog at nicostein.com. As you guys mentioned, uh, we're going to be at the uh, Cloud Field Day event uh, actually next week, in November 3rd through 5th, where we're meeting with a bunch of different companies who are talking about cloud and the enterprise. And when we were looking at this list of companies, once again, the core question comes to mind, which is, uh, is the cloud finally ready for the enterprise? This is a, not a moot point. This is one of those things where We've been looking at it for a long time. In fact, for a long time, we didn't have a cloud field day event because quite frankly, uh, the cloud was irrelevant to traditional enterprise IT. It was certainly relevant and taking over everywhere with uh, startups and hyperscalers and new companies and small companies and everything. But you know, the enterprise was pretty resistant to it. And even now in 2021, when we look at it, uh, there's actually not as much cloud penetration, real cloud, as uh, as you might think, especially considering that enterprises have what they call hybrid cloud as a pretend scapegoat to be able to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're not cloud, but we're hybrid cloud, which kind of means nothing. So my question for you guys uh, to kick this thing off, uh, what do you think? What's your take? Uh, let's start with Nico. Is the cloud ready for the enterprise? Um, thank you, Stephen. Yes, I actually think it's ready. What I've seen in the market in the past 24 months, and it might be driven by COVID, which is a game changer for many, I've seen a certain maturity in the market. Um, in my personal take was for a long time, it was something that was cool to do, but the business need really wasn't there. It wasn't taken into account. Just because you can do it doesn't necessarily mean you should do it, right? Um, and now when we're talking about what are the costs, does it actually make sense for a business to move in the cloud other than to say we do it? And the maturity I see where enterprises are looking at it, the cloud makes sense for this, maybe not for all of our applications, but we can save money or we can increase our availability. There's a certain maturity level we've reached, I believe. Yeah, I, I do agree with you, uh, Nico. I think that, you know, there's, it, I think it's definitely still on ramp and I completely agree about um, COVID and the things that have spawned from COVID really being a driver here. So we've, we've seen a lot of workforces go, you know, remote only. And now that that horse is out of the barn, it's in a lot of ways, it's going to stay that way. You know, we're not, I don't, I don't know that by and large, you know, if we look at our bigger employers, especially that we're going to go back to a world where even, you know, there's ever going to be a day where you say you have to be in the office every day. It's going to be either a hybrid model or it's going to be all remote workforce or these people work from here. These people can work wherever. 
um, which some variants on those. Um, I will add, I think also one of the other drivers, I would think for enterprises like yours, Nico, um, as we look towards, you know, can we make the cloud work for what we need and for our growth is, you know, right now we're experiencing, I won't say unheard of supply chain interruptions, but significant supply chain interruptions with the big boys really kind of gobbling up all the microchips or the processors and things like that that we're dealing with and, you know, lead times on things like servers being so long, you know, with that kind of thing, it's, if you're looking at months or you're looking at the cost of server X now being three times more, does the cost of, you know, the development cycles to make that, that application more cloud efficient or just straight up doing a lift and shift, does that become a more viable um, conversation for someone in the end customer world like you? So that's a good point, Jim. Um, as a matter of fact, the true life story, what we're dealing with, we have to replace some networking gear. Um, and all my vendors told me already, we're looking at 100 days out. Now, for us, it works because it's a long plan project. But certainly, if I was in a pinch right now and I need to expand quickly, it would be really hard to accomplish this. And I know Talking Cloud and we grow at the end, it's a bunch of servers and a bunch of network cables put together. And if I don't have any of this, it will not work for us or for anyone that, that matter. So, yeah, the COVID, COVID and all its consequences are definitely driving this industry forward in terms of we need to do it now. And a lot of companies who were suspicious of the cloud was like really didn't understand it or you have the discussions why are we do going to the cloud isn't the data much safer in our local data center or local exchange server to which i always responded i appreciate the faith you put in me that i can maintain exchange server better than a fleet of microsoft engineers but those discussions to my knowledge don't happen anymore we passed this it's accepted to office 365 it has penetrated pretty much every little market and big market there is. I know in our industry from three organizations who do not use 365 and there are valid reasons, um, but everyone else is, there's not the question anymore, should we do it? We 365 is standard right now. And I think as we progress, it's going to be more and more standard that the question is not even, um, okay, I need to bring up an SQL server. Nico, can you spec a server? It's just like, Log into your dashboard, spin up the instance, um, calculate the money and the cost first. That we probably talk about this later because that is one of the biggest hindrances, in my opinion, especially for enterprises starting with the cloud, the cost factor and uh, possibly surprises. But I don't think no one will really spin up much local instances for this where it's really easier to run into the cloud, especially if you cannot get a server. Yeah, it's interesting that um, you know the com conversation for the first time ever, I think started with sort of the drivers and you know the business drivers and the reasons instead of starting with sort of the basic questions of can we even run stuff there i think maybe we've gotten to the point and maybe we can talk about that here in a few minutes uh that the uh the infrastructure and the platforms are finally ready um at least in some in some cases but uh you know we were waiting for the drivers and the drivers certainly as you mentioned uh there are a few uh things related to the pandemic and work from anywhere, uh, the chip shortage. Uh, but uh, Nico, I'd like to kind of zoom in on what you were just saying, because for me, that's actually what, a key aspect as well. Uh, it, it, this was a, an argument that I used to make years ago, that some applications just belong in the cloud. Um, 
why are you keeping things like email and collaboration? Uh, why would you hide those behind a firewall in a data center? I mean, they're supposed to be in the cloud because that's kind of closer to the users. It's closer to where the, where the users are. I mean, I can sure understand somebody saying, well, our industrial you know, control software or our financial accounting software or something should be in the data center. Okay, if that's where the accountants are, why not? You know? But um, you know, something like collaboration, um, it, it doesn't even make sense to put it behind the firewall. Then you have to punch a bunch of holes and you have to deal with access control and all that. I mean, cloud just makes more sense, right? Absolutely. And again, I think it's discussions you don't have on a technical level. It's more the fear we always used to do it this way, right? And until it's challenged, um, doesn't it really doesn't change. So 365 and I can speak from our implementation. There were definitely some discussions and IT had to kind of push a bit. No, we really should be doing this. And this is why. Uh, one of the reasons is not necessarily to save costs because when it's all said and done, you're probably not going to save money from on-premise um, 365 uh, exchange service versus cloud, but you gain so much more. And one of the business drivers is, right? It's a tool. So wouldn't IT be better couldn't you utilize IT in a better way, for example, data mining and opening new possibilities than having an exchange admin patching exchange server at night, right? It frees up resources that actually help the business, in my opinion. Yeah, and I completely agree with that, Nico. The, the, the exception that I've heard a few, few times um, that, let me you know, state, start with, I don't necessarily agree with it, is that you have to take care of the governance and you have to take care of the, the security. Um, I hear that more than more often than not. Reality, you know, both both when we talk about things like Office 365, but even things like, you know, when we talk about you know moving things to the cloud, or or and, and let's define cloud. You know, it's it's anything really. I mean, it could be it could be Amazon. I mean, you know, not to hat tip, but it could be Island. It could be things like that. You know, there's a a wealth and breadth of knowledge and capability in all of those situations that, you know, especially customers that are in the SMB space or even in the medium of the SMB space, you know, trending larger, you know, that they're not going to have access to those kinds of skill sets, you know, particularly easily, or it's going to be, you know, that guy, it's going to be one guy that knows it. Um, so definitely cloud solves a lot of those problems for enterprise. Um, the question or some of the question also becomes, you know, how are we going to make all those links happen? How's that portability going to happen? You know, the Nico, I mean, and Stephen, correct me if I'm wrong, but by and large, the co companies that are looking at this, it's going to be a workload by workload decision that's going to be made. Are we going to move this thing to the cloud? And if we're not moving everything, well, we've got to make all those things talk together in a reasonable way. And you know that's a challenge that I think to the to the point to the premise that the cloud is finally ready for the enterprise. Yeah, I mean we're starting to see some really very real tools and capabilities that's making that connectivity, making that portability reasonable. What do you guys think? Yeah, very good points, um, Jim. Especially me, I'm coming out of an SMB. Um, one of the challenges is definitely securing it, and I can totally relate to this. There's one guy. Um, a good friend of mine might have coined a hyper-converged administrator at one point when he had a different position than now. Um, 
but this is a, definitely a challenge. And in terms of workload, it's almost when you look at all the workloads you have and you, you take inventory and you see, oh my God, we have 90 servers, we're so small and we have like 200 different applications. It seems impossible to even start. And that's definitely something I can relate to. Uh, but I think in the near future, I there really is going to be sm not many businesses that will be completely cloud where they completely can shut down their own data center. It might be because they don't have the resources to move it all or they go the other way. They just go with an MSP and they deal with it. That's the only alternative. But if you want to be in control to some extent to yourself, you have to do it workload by workload. And a lot of the core applications for a lot of businesses outside financial for sure, but others, um, it is a real struggle to even attempt to move an application to the cloud. And again, the business is the driver, right? If I can come up with the greatest cloud plan, but if like, does this application work in the cloud? No. Well, this is our, this is how we make money. This is the most important stuff. I don't care about your SQL server. It's all tools for the business. And that is, I think we're going to get this the way this direction, this conversation is going we're talking about vendors. So yes, the cloud is ready for the enterprise, but then the question is, are all the vendors ready for the cloud? Well, and, you know, so I'll, I'll give a little, so something you just said, the, the whole, you know, we're, are we going to move everything to an MSP or we're going to move everything to here? Uh, I will say that a lot of the conversations that I have day in and day out are around the fact that nobody wants to be all in on any of those things these days. We want, you know, so, so you know, you're going to have some things on-prem, some things, you know, that crazy uh, financial management application that, you know, requires, you know, a field full of racks just to do the compute and or, or excuse me to do the storage and things like that but you know there's going to be certain workloads that you're going to find either because of efficiency um, or, or speed to be able to roll out you know it might be a case you're going to need four virtualization hosts to be able to, to support this application you can look at an MSP and you can get that in a week or you know, and spun up and going, or you can try to do this on your own and be lead times. Doesn't have to be that all the applications have to be um, quote unquote cloud native ready to do those kinds of things. There's a, a large number of companies, some of which I'm greatly familiar with that are happy to give you that same vSphere experience, experience that you're used to, to allow those things to happen. But like I said, it all comes down to you have to have the want and desire as an organization. You also have to have the ability to make that as seamless as possible so that it's not, oh, here's where we are. And while we're at it, you know, you also have to think about things like, how am I protecting those applications? How are, where's that data gonna live? You know, things like that. They're all solvable questions, but it's different questions than maybe your, your typical legacy organization has ever had to ask before. I think that the thing that gets me here is that, again, back to what I said earlier, uh, we're at the point now where basically uh, the cloud is ready. So the enterprises, uh, enterprise IT and uh, applications uh, community are starting to ask themselves maybe a harder question. Because before, I think it was almost a cop-out. You could say, well, yeah, yeah, the cloud is there, but we kind of can't use it because, you know, we kind of can't run this or that or the other in it. And sure, there's still things that can't run in it. Let's make sure that we put a flag in the ground there. There are still some applications that, that, that can't be run 
in any you know public cloud environment because they're too tied to hardware or they're too centralized or whatever. But at the same time, many, many things can be um, run in the cloud. And so enterprises now have what is probably the harder choice to make, which is do we? And there are a lot of concerns there. There's security concerns, there's ownership, there's lock-in. Wow, I sound like I'm talking about the data center. Anyway, uh, there's uh, you know certainly uh, financial concerns as well. Um, our friend uh, Corey Quinn with his uh, uh, AWS uh, bill uh, examinations and uh, and his uh, all all the stuff that he does. Uh, you know, there's a lot of companies now sprouting up. We're actually going to talk to one of them at, at Cloud Field Day here as well who are looking at the cost of going to the cloud. And in many cases, uh, despite what people might think, it's not a slam dunk financially to move to the cloud because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of cruft that kind of goes with it. So uh, enterprises now have to make the decision of, of which things do we move to the cloud? And I think that's another thing too. For a long time, enterprises were basically thinking of it as a binary choice. Either, either we have a data center or we have a cloud, but we don't have both. And now I think people are getting a lot, lot smarter and saying, you know what? No, that's not how it works. We're gonna have a data center. We're gonna have some hybrid cloud. We're gonna have some public cloud. We're gonna have some software as a service and it's gonna be a spectrum and it's gonna be decided on a per application, per group, per need basis. Is that right? So yes, Stephen. So I, I completely agree with you and you know, the to quote, actually, you know, I hate to say it, but my favorite sticker on earth, there really, there is no cloud, there's just somebody else's computer. We, one of my pet peeves is we need to stop thinking of the cloud as hyperscaler only, you know, we, it's not, the cloud does not just exist in the scope of AWS, Azure, GCP, you know, insert massive company as you, as you are. The cloud is also Nico's data center. The cloud is also MSPs. The cloud is also Office 365. These are also, these are all parts of what we should, you know, as admins, as CIOs, as, as people in charge of making decisions of what goes where, we should be cognizant of that and then make sure that we can leverage all parts of those, you know, the terms, you know, you said cloud, hybrid cloud, et cetera. You know, let's let's put all those to bed and let's start making sure that things go where they are. Because guess what, guys? The tools are starting to catch up to where the tooling is going to make it to where things can go here, there, and everywhere as we need to. Yeah, they're good points, Jim. I totally agree. And especially in terms of expenses. One of the arguments or discussions in the past about either cloud or our own data center came down to costs. But you would look at the cloud expenses like, well, can we at least shut down our own data center? And some companies probably went this way because they had to justify a cloud endeavor. Um, and as we go on and we learn, we need to use the hybrid approach. We, I can lower the footprint of my data center, so maybe save some costs there. But the first argument I thought, I think when the cloud came up, it's like, oh, we can save so much money. And then they were, and that's still true than that why tools come about like, oh my God, I put something in the cloud, I downloaded all my file shares and now I get this AWS bill, which will be a resume generating event. And that fear is still, especially for the smaller businesses because they are not so familiar. It's almost like Microsoft licensing. You need PhD degree to kind of sort of understand it. And I think the cloud providers, the bigger ones at least, maybe they're getting a bit better having more transparency in this. 
but I think there is still a lot of improvement. And that's why I hope we're talking about maturity, where tools will help you to estimate. And you don't have that surprise when you go to see if, oh, look, we brought this workloads in the cloud, it works, but now we're paying so much more because then the discussion is going to take a pretty upsetting turn. Yeah, I mean, so one thing on the con on the on the talk of costs that I'd like to to mention is, you know, one challenge that I found often for myself is we have to think about costs not just in terms of the financial right here this year. And, you know, is this workload going to cost the same as going to cost for me to do it there? Because oftentimes we're comparing apples to oranges. Um, you know, I've, uh, you know, Nico, tell me if this, if this rings true or Steven yourself, you know, the, I'm looking at moving this to the cloud and I'm, if I move it to the cloud, I know it's going to be able to work in an efficient way. It's going to be able to work in a multi-geographical area or capability versus if I put it in my data center, maybe my host are five years old. Maybe that storage array that I'm running on is starting to get some legs on it. And we're gonna to have to be looking for, um, for a replacement soon, or we're getting to the point where we're maxing those things out. We're gonna to have to be adding more, we're gonna to have to be growing, things like that. The, the beauty of cloud, you know, or, of, or excuse me, the beauty of public cloud in all of its different variants is you have much greater capability for scale, both within a data center or within a given workload, or the ability to make that thing a global thing. You know, and the global may not be for everybody, but I can say from experience, even the smallest organizations often truly have to care about what's going to happen when this particular application goes haywire. What's going to happen if it, you know, all of a sudden has a big data growth because we have a migration going? You know, things like that, public cloud makes the cost and the availability of those applications a far better thing. Yeah, 100%. And I want to add for us, financial industry, we highly audited. Um, the disaster recovery is always uh, not a source, but it takes a lot of money for consequently hosting some service you hopefully never need to use, right? And this is one of the biggest advantages, I think, in cloud, where it's not even so much about a cost, it takes a pain away. I don't have to worry about it, right? I, it's the same with networking. If I have in the cloud, we all have HA devices. Um, some argue HA is more trouble than it's worth. Maybe, maybe not. I think that's outside the scope of this discussion. But the beauty is I don't have to worry about HA server hot standby, all of this things because I really the cloud is I give someone money and make it their problem. One of the uh, ironies here too is that um, back to uh, you know five years ago when people were all worried, oh, can I run this? Can I not run this? Uh, one of the things, one of the things that they wanted from it was that sort of as a service or software defined infrastructure approach where they could have, you know, basically uh, hardware uh, that you could program uh, using APIs that you could, uh, you know, provision automatically that you had automatic monitoring and management and, and layout and all this kind of stuff. That was all the purview of public cloud for a long time. And that was kind of the value prop for a lot of the public cloud offerings. Uh, but surprise, a lot of that stuff is coming into the enterprise too. And so we're at the point now where enterprises actually have the ability to build their own cloud. Now they're obviously not going to get the same benefits as a, a public cloud provider might be, but um, you know, if, if what they're looking for is that sort of flexibility and programmability of the infrastructure, 
Uh, that's exactly what a lot of these companies are doing. In fact, a lot of them are actually taking the technology from the public cloud and applying it to the enterprise in a smart way. So, um, you know, we talked uh, with uh, Red Hat about OpenShift last time, for example. Uh, you know, the networking companies are doing this. The storage companies are doing this. I mean, there's so much more true software-defined storage, you know, API-driven, you know, highly scalable storage systems now. There's so many, so many networking companies now that are creating uh, basically a networking abstraction layer that allows you to do everything dynamically. And, and it's gotten to the point where not only can you do the things the public cloud can do, but you don't even need the public cloud to do them. And, and, and for example, you know, we just heard uh, you know, with AWS and with Azure and now even with Google, uh, you'll be able to deploy you know, your own instance of the public cloud in your own data center. Um, you know, Nico, how, how are uh, enterprises like financials and stuff, how are they reacting to the availability of technology like that? That's an interesting point. And when Amazon first announced Outpost, I think that was a few years ago, right? You saw like, oh, wow, now first enterprises looked, we're going to the cloud and darn, the cloud is in my data center all of a sudden. But I think this is where we're really going to head towards to where the data centers become more similar, um, where really it's only the location is the only determined difference between the public cloud and my own data center. Um, in terms of high availability, it's, it's almost easy to calculate, right? For financial industry, we can easily calculate how much money do we make per minute in transactions. So if I don't have that service, um, this is exactly how much money I lose per minute. Um, not having to worry about this. And that doesn't mean, by no means, I'm stating that the public cloud never goes down. They have their own slew of outages. It is always DNS, and I will die on that hill. But <laughs> there's definitely outages. The, the beauty is, in my opinion, it's more likely they can solve that outage quicker than you can in your own data center. Now, if you're a huge player in the financial industry or any industry, you're almost very similar to a big cloud player. You have your uh, data centers on the West East Coast. So you're using the same principles as a cloud provider. Um, the high availability and the disaster recovery are one of the greatest factor about cloud, I believe. Yeah, and you know, and so Nico, I, you know, as, as you know, because we've talked about this many times, I've at a previous employer worked in a similar industry that you did. And I will say, you know, one of the things that the, you know, I guess the traditional application vendors that I used to see there was they were starting to make their application cloud, but by making it cl cloud, they were saying, that's fine, but you're going to run it inside of our cloud. This is going to, it's, it's less that it's going to be a, you know, you can take the application that you're now running on site and making it an, a now cloud native application as much as we're going to now make this a managed application for you that's running in our cloud. Have you, have you seen anything like that? Yeah, I definitely see the shift. So some of the bigger financial core providers um, are cloud-based. They're coded for the cloud. They have APIs, which is a great advancement already from traditional approach, right? Where it's completely walled off. Um, but the it does not run in the public cloud. It runs in their own private cloud, which to some extent is definitely definitely improvement in my world. Um, the question is then, would I even benefit if they were in a public cloud? Because you still be talking a bit about vendor lock, right? You can always get out of a vendor. If you put in your contract work, right? It's how much it's gonna cost and all that, but it's not that easy. The question I would almost ask back is, does it need to be in the public cloud? Because 
in the financial world again you don't change your financial core provider that often it is a huge undertaking it takes years um, even if you don't like the one you're currently on or if the other one is much better and you want to switch there's a whole bunch of work planning year-long projects so you're not doing this lightly so the, the one of the benefits of a public cloud right well i now it's cheaper in aws now i'm moving it over to orgo cloud um, with those applications i don't know question back to jim and steven what do you think about this yeah so uh you know we get into you know again is the enterprise ready for cloud or excuse me is the cloud ready for enterprise and 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 the answer is that i think definitely yes but again we come back to we need to change our definition of cloud um Cloud is, you know, all these places that we're running it. Public cloud definitely is ready for the vast majority of our workloads, but the workloads need to be changed still somewhat. Um, we also, as enterprises, have to change our mindset as to how we're going to think about those applications um, and what is important to us as we look to leverage more things in a in a bigger scale. We need. To your point that you talked about, Nico, Nico, one of the biggest things being the disaster recovery capability. You know, we know how this application worked. We knew what our SLAs were for this application and this when it ran on prem. Do those things still hold true when we move to the cloud? You know, we have the capability to, you know, in those situations, we can vastly ramp up the availability of those things. So instead of looking at, you know, it might take an hour or two if this application were to crash when we had it on-prem. If I do that in the cloud and the, it in theory can take minutes, but, you know, let's say AWS is having an outage. Have we moved the needle for the enterprises themselves as we do that to where the expectation becomes, this is how it should be. And then we change the policy underneath of it. Yeah, DR is one of those things that's really uh, important in my mind. Well, number one, because that was like my whole career. Um, you know, I was one of the people out there that was trying to make DR work in the days before virtualization, let alone the cloud. And DR, uh, frankly, the, the next step in my career was making DR work in VMware environments. And that was it, it, honestly the biggest thing that VMware brought to the table, the biggest thing that VMware brought to the enterprise, it wasn't any of the things people say, it was DR. It was the fact that you could actually get up and running somewhere else on different hardware, not just pretend to. Because it used to be, you were basically out of luck. I mean, we all us IT guys kind of knew the, 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 the scoop, which was that it never would run, no matter <laughs> what you did. And then with VMware, suddenly it could run. And that was worth the price of admission. And it was the worst of price of, of virtualizing everything. For me, that's uh, what I'm seeing uh, with uh, cloud as well, because there are a lot of these applications out there. I mean, we're gonna be talking to Veeam here at uh, Cloud Field Day, but there's a lot of companies out there that are doing this where they're replicating data on premises to public cloud. And they're able to use the public cloud infrastructure much like they used VMware infrastructure 10 years ago as a DR target. They're able to make sure that things get up and running. And right there, you might have a killer app, just like it was for virtualization. It might be a killer app for the cloud. What do you guys think, Nico? Yeah, 100%. Um, I know we talked about DR a lot, but it is a driving factor. Um, I, I commend you that that was one of your previous jobs, uh, careers. 
I don't know anyone who really enjoys working on the VR problem. Everyone's like, if we just could go away and I never had to worry about it, right? Just give me a button, give me an automation. I, I run my test, it works, but I don't want to design it, architect it. Um, it is definitely something that drives me personally and professionally to go more cloud, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, I do like backups, but I do not like designing the um, VR solutions. It's for me, it's not particularly fun. And you're right, and you, you never know if it works. And there are certain things that I already know in our disaster recovery plan. Well, that is probably not going to work. I don't see how this could work. Not having to worry about it, right? Using our resources and at the enterprise in a different, more efficient way. Let people, well, in this case with the cloud, we don't even have to worry about other people dealing with it so much because it just scales up so much easier. Um, they take care of it, it is done. So completely 100% agree that the R is maybe a bigger factor for cloud native or cloud applications than first it's anticipated, right? A lot of people still think I'm moving to the cloud, um, I'm saving money. And I highly caution against that. If that's your driving factor, you might be in for a bad surprise. Yeah, and because people like you, you know, don't necessarily like to design for disaster recovery scenarios, people like me that do exist. And, you know, uh, to your question, Stephen, is is disaster recovery the, the killer app for the public cloud? Uh, as someone who works for, you know, one of the biggest players in being that location and being those subject matter experts for those, for that exact use, absolutely. We've got thousands of, you know, pretty happy customers that would agree with that. Um, you know, it can be backup, it could be replication, it can be, we need to move the workload. You know, the thing of it is, is uh, as we think about disaster recovery, it's it's doing what works good for you. What what I ultimately got me into doing this kind of things is, you know, Nico, when I was in your similar situation, you know, our, I hated having to deal with a cold site. I hated having to deal with that other data center that I was paying for that did nothing and just sat there. And oftentimes, you know, or shoot, all the time, what made up that even in virtualization times, that data center was the hardware we got rid of. It was the hosts that weren't keeping up with the workloads and we replaced and we shifted them to the DR site. And I had them there. I knew I could never run everything. And so as you started to see things like, you know, Veeam's Cloud, Cloud Connect network or, uh, you know, public cloud and things like that, where I had this place where I didn't have to pay for that when I'm not using it. When you talk about, you know, cost and savings when it comes to public cloud at all, really that's what we get down to is we don't want to pay for these things when we're not using them. And that's where, you know, that's where your cost is really going to come into so just to wrap up, I guess, uh, back to the premise, uh, the cloud is finally ready for the enterprise. Um, I think we are vehemently agreeing with that statement. I don't think I've heard anyone say anything that contradicts that. With, of course, the big asterisk that, it, it, you know, some applications may not be appropriate for the cloud. Some applications, you know, enterprise may not want to run in the cloud for a variety of reasons. But for the most part, yeah, cloud's ready. Let's do this thing, right? I, I, am I right? Uh, let's. Uh, I'll give you guys each a, a minute or so to sum up. Nico, uh, cloud's ready for the enterprise. Cloud is so ready for the enterprise. Um, yeah, it, it's happening as we speak, right? Again, we we touched on COVID is the primary driver where enterprise really like let's do it. 
cloud providers are like, wow, everyone wants to come to us. We want to provide the service. We're in the business of making money. There is a need for it. Let's fill up that need. Um, we've seen the tools maturing. We talked about this. There's still some great innovation happening of tools. Um, we're going to see some of that at Cloud Field Day in two weeks. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, so the cloud is ready for the enterprise, definitely. Yeah, and I agree. The cloud is ready for the enterprise uh, as long for varying values of the cloud. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of different definition there. Hyper cloud, hybrid, hyperscaler cloud is great. MSPs are great for other things when we need to get them out of our data center, but we still need them to work the same way. And on-prem cloud also works as long as we make sure that we can get them all talking to each other. And that's really where, you know, some of the stuff that I'm most excited about with Cloud Field Day coming up is some of these uh, vendors that we're gonna be talking to that are here just to make that a more seamless conversation. Yeah, so uh, Prosimo, Juniper, companies like that, yeah. Well, uh, I think that, uh, yeah, we're gonna officially change the relationship status of enterprise and cloud to it's complicated but also we're going to check the box that says in a relationship. I think that works. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys very much for this discussion. Uh, looking forward to our discussion again, please join us for cloud field day, uh, November 3rd through 5th. If you miss that, or if that doesn't work into your schedule, or if you're on the other side of the planet or something, don't worry. All the videos get posted to uh, YouTube slash tech field day, and you can watch them there too. So if you want to see, how it comes out, uh, please do. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Jim, where can we connect with you and uh, follow your thoughts on cloud? Oh, there's a few thoughts. Uh, yeah, so probably for the, the stream is uh, Twitter for the most part where I'm Kool-Aid.it with zeros. Uh, it's a popular name. I'm not that Jim Jones, but you know, somewhat related. And then for the longer thoughts, uh, check out Kool-Aid.info, which is my blog. Uh, here, especially lately, there's been quite a bit of Veeam-related content, so, and I plan on quite a bit for Cloud Field Day. Very good. And you can easily connect with me as well as on Twitter at, at Nico A. Stein. Um, I'll be sharing my thoughts on Cloud Field Day there. Also, for some more in-depth uh, blog posts, check out Nico A. Stein. Um, I'm sorry, NicoStein.com. And you can also connect to me on LinkedIn at Nico Stein. Great. And as for me, I'm at S. Foskett on most social media networks, and you can find my writing at gestaltit.com, as well as uh, more and more on LinkedIn and, of course, on Twitter as well. So thank you for joining us for the On-Premise IT Roundtable. If you enjoyed this discussion, uh, please do subscribe. You can subscribe it as a podcast, an audio podcast, or you can check out the videos on YouTube, and you can find us in most podcast applications. Uh, while you're there, maybe give us a rating or review. That does help. And uh, please do share the show with your friends and let us know what you think as well. We would love to hear from you. This podcast is brought to you by gestaltit.com, your home for IT coverage from across the enterprise. For show notes and more episodes, go to gestaltit.com slash podcast. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>